You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. many means plenty but many also means various or different kinds many means plenty and various or different kinds and notice contextually, the psalmist reveal that there are many sorrows when it comes to the wicked. Forget the text. Many sorrows. Many sorrows. Sorrow is great unhappiness, great regret. And if you have many sorrows, that means you can be unhappy about your whole life. You can be unhappy about thinking about whether you're going to get a job or not. Thinking about whether this, that, or the other going to work out for you or not. Notice again, many sorrows. And if it's many and various, that, that means everything you go through in life, you, you are sorrowful. You're unhappy about. Basically says about you that, that uh, if you like that, you're, you're a miserable person. I said, basically says about you. Now, notice I said, you, I, I didn't, I'm not including me. <laughs> that you are a miserable person. I didn't like the way that ended. Oh, Lord, I wish it would have ended another way. But, and when and when you sorrow, when you have many sorrows, that means little stuff bothers you, makes you unhappy. I mean, little tiny stuff, stuff about the car, stuff about what you cooked. See, that's the reason I wanted to I wanted to give you a couple of meanings of many, because many can touch every aspect of your life, small things and big things. And, and if many sorrows of what you, what you experience on a daily, a weekly basis, again, that means that you have to be a miserable person. Now notice how clear he is in, in the first clause. Many sorrows shall be to, notice who, the wicked. Woo, see, that's the reason I didn't include my name, because I'm not wicked. Not a perfect man, but I'm not wicked. Wick, wicked means ungodly. And ungodly, in one sense, says that you're not born again. Jesus is not your Savior and Lord. But I'm godly, even though I ain't saved. No, you can't be godly if you're not Christian. Because to be Christian means to be Christ-like. Christ equates God, or Christ is God, so that means you're godly. So if you are not a Christian, not saved, that means you are ungodly. But let me throw a twist in here. If you are Christian, but you think, talk, and act, 
like ungodly folk. This verse applies to you. That's the reason, sadly, you see just as many miserable Christians as you do sinners. That's when you have folk that are in the church but, but wish they were back in the street. They're miserable in the church. Miserable. Because they think, talk, and act like a sinner. Unhappy. Folk talk about how God is blessing. He ain't blessing me. Man, God moving. Really? Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Wicked being sinner or wicked being a Christian that thinks, talks, and acts in contrast to the written and revealed will of God. Now let, now, let me just deal with sorrow a little bit from a biblical standpoint. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Y'all stay with me. Thank you, Mother. Proverbs 15 and 13. Ready? A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. And countenance not just as far as your appearance, but your attitude. Your state of mind. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But the latter clause is what I want you to get. But by sorrow of the heart, and, and heart, of course, represents the feelings, state of mind, even the choices. But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. You can get so much sorrow in your heart to where it breaks your spirit. Get this. Sorrow has the capacity to change your mindset. You can be happy Monday morning and be miserable by noon. If you allow sorrow to get in your heart. Notice, it'll break your spirit. Now, spirit contextually also has to do with your will or your desire. It can break your desire. You, you, can, you can have a, a will to go and get what God done promised you. But then when you get there, somebody tell you you can't have what you were excited about getting. And, and if you allow it, it can break your spirit. It can cause your whole mindset to change. A, a person can just by telling you you can't have what God done told you you can't have. God can tell you you heal, but then you go see a professional, and the professional tell you you're not healed, and that can break your spirit. That's the reason you cannot allow sorrow to get in your heart. You cannot allow what somebody says that has the capacity. To make you unhappy, get in your being. That's the reason I don't like to be around pessimistic folk. I don't like to, I don't like to be around folk that love pity parties. Some of us know what I'm talking about because we, we, are, we are known for having pity parties. Yeah, we'll call folk up and invite them to the pity party. They don't even have to show up at your house. You just want five minutes so you can just throw on them your pity party. 
I will hang up on you. Yes, I will. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't laughing. I'm trying not to anyway, but I will hang up on you. I know what folk say can affect you. Yeah. And, and you can't allow that to get in your, in your heart, in your spirit, because it'll break you. You're thinking positive until you get around somebody negative. But then all of the same, that, that cheerful person has turned into a sour person. A better person because of somebody or something else. Look at the verse again, Proverbs 15 and 13. Sorrow in the heart can break the spirit. That's the reason we, we got to make up in our mind that, that we are going to do the antithesis of sorrow. What is that? Rejoice. The number one antithesis of sorrow is joy or to Rejoice. Bottom line, you either going to be sorrowful about it or you going to be joyful about it. The scripture so believes in enjoying when sorrow is trying to consume you to where James told uh, the 12 tribes that had been going through numerous challenges, numerous troubles. He said, Count it all joy. Just count it all joy. Now they're going through a whole, all kind of trouble. He's telling them to count it all joy. Well, what should they have done if they didn't count it all joy? Be like all the folk, the wicked. Accept it. You don't have to accept certain things. Not according to Scripture. So we gonna, we, instead of being sorrowful, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to rejoice. I got to show you a couple of things, though, about rejoice. Let, let's start in Philippians 4. Y'all stay with me. Now, when I say stay with me, I mean y'all go to the scripture with me. Don't just let the preacher go by himself. I don't know if that preacher was saying what was in the Bible or not. That's what I'm telling you. Stay with me. That way you're going to know that, that it's not just me talking. It's, it's in the Bible. Philippians 4 and 4. This is what Paul told folk while he was in prison. Now, he in prison where folk known to be sorrowful. But this is what he says from prison to the church. Rejoice. Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? And he wanted to make sure they heard him. So he, he goes on to say, again, I will say what? Rejoice. He told him two times rejoice. Two is a number of testimony. Number of witness. He was letting them know, look, I'm a witness that you need to rejoice. You need to rejoice. Rejoice when? Always. Rejoice when? Always. Rejoice when? Man, they just, they just cut off my lights. What you going to do? And, and folks show up that don't understand scripture like this. We say, do you know this fool over here? <laughs> clapping in his lights off. This fool is over here clapping in his lights off. I told you that boy was slipping. I told you something was going on with him. But, but I guess the same thing was going on when, when the three Hebrew boys got thrown into the fiery furnace. What did they do? They went to rejoice. See, you have to understand that, that when you are Christ-like, you don't operate like everybody else. You think, talk, and do according to the written and revealed word of God. Rejoice how often? Always. 
And then he wanted to make sure that they got it. He said again, rejoice. I got to take it a little further. I love what David said. Gina Mae was singing her heart out singing it this morning. But we're going to look at the scripture she was singing this morning. Go with me to, uh, I'm thinking, Psalm 118. Lord have mercy. That just came to me. Gina Mae was singing that thing. I hope I get, got the right scripture. Psalm 118. Oh, yeah, this is it. Psalm 118, 24. Now, this is what David said right here. Going through stuff, but this is what he said. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. And notice he, get, he gets corporate. We will rejoice and be glad in it. David had like that day was the only day that God made. When you just look at the text, which, which you know he knew God made every day. But how many know that God made this day? COVID didn't make this day. Wonder what COVID doing today. Well, hey, COVID didn't make this day. Come on, talk with me now. Psalm 118 and 24. This is the day. That who made? And notice. We will be what? We will be glad and rejoice. We're going to rejoice in this day. Why? He made it. Oh, God, it's a Monday. No, that, that ain't your attitude no more. You got to change your attitude. Oh, God, I got to go up there today. That, that, that don't need to be your attitude. This is a day that who? Has what? We. See, if, if we're on the same page as a congregation, we, we, we have got to start doing things together according to the scripture. We will be glad and rejoice in it. And sorrow going to come. I'm going to tell you something. Sorrow going to come. You just can't allow it to get in your being. And if by some chance you, you allow it to get embedded in you, the best way to get it out is to rejoice. You start giving God the praise. You start shouting the highest praise, which is? Which means praise the Lord. Bottom line, you just praise Lord, praise the Lord so it can get out of you. And, and even if you have to go through a battle in reference to sorrow, you just fighting it. You remember what David said in Psalm 30. Weeping may endure for what? But what's coming? Joy. But it just ain't going to be automatic, is it? It's because you have made a choice to rejoice. Got to leave Psalm 118 and 24 but, but look at it again. We will. We done made the choice. We're going to be glad anyway. Ain't got a dime, but we're going to rejoice because we know we're going to have more than a dime sooner or later. The light's off, but we're going to rejoice because God going to make sure we get our lights back on. So we're going to praise him in advance before we hit the switch. And see the lights. We're going to praise them before the lights even show up. That's what you call living by faith and not sight. Wow. You praising him for what he's going to do. You ain't seen your healing yet. But go ahead and praise him because you know your healing is coming. You ain't seen this, that, and the other that you're looking for. But go ahead and praise him anyhow because you know if God promised it, he's going to bring it to pass. You're hanging on to 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. All of the promises of God in him are? Yes. And? So you're just going to praise him in advance for your deliverance. You're going to praise him in advance for fulfilling what you have put before him. And you can do that because the Bible tells you what you done asked is going to be what? Given. 
Oh, you done read Matthew 7 and 7. Ask and it shall be. Seek and you will. Knock and it will be. Well, that's just for pastor. No, that's for everybody. Because the verse goes on to say, for everyone that asks, seeks, and knocks will receive it. It's just a matter of you trusting God for your salvation. And so many sorrows are going to be to the wicked. That's the reason if you're not a child of God. This is one reason if you're not a child of God to surrender to him. You don't want to be no miserable person all the time. Watch this. By show of hands, how many, how many know people that it's like they're miserable all the time? This is going to be real tough for you. This, oh, God, this next question is going to be real tough. But it, he doesn't put it on my heart, Ash. How many have family members that are miserable all the time? And see, you have to be around them. Sometimes you can't avoid having to be around them. That's when you ought to be praying that they get saved. <laughs> Many sorrows shall be to who? But then the second clause. Sorrow going to come at everybody. But this second clause is what we need to get in our being. Back in Psalm 32 and 10. But he or she who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him or her. When you trust in God, it says that you're not a timid person. You're not an unsure person. See, see, there, there ought to be things in, in your life that you're sure about. If you have been Christian for at least a year or more, it really don't take a year or more, but I'm just going to say a year or more. There, there are some things you should be sure about when it comes to your God. It's certain things you ain't even got to, to debate about. You are sure about those particular things. It's just like I'm sure that prayer works. Now, I'm sure about that. I'm, I'm sure that if you pray before you start your day, you will experience a strength that's divine. And if you don't pray before you start your day, you will experience a weakness. I'm sure about that. You have to be sure about certain things. I'm sure God can change anybody that really wants to be changed. I'm sure that God can make anybody's life better that wants to be better. I'm sure that God will prosper anybody that desires to prosper. I'm sure that God will bring you from being the tail to the head to living above only and never. I'm sure about stuff like that. I'm sure if you give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running go. I'm sure God will deliver you no matter how messed up you are. Well, Reverend, I don't know if God can save me. You don't know how messed up I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let me tell you something. I don't know what club you in right now, but I was in I was in the messed up club plus. Ain't no need in some of y'all looking. Some of y'all were in the messed up club plus. You didn't even know you were a member of that club, but you were a member of the messed up club plus. It, 
If you lied all the time, you were a member of the Messed Up Club Plus. If you were strung out on drugs, you were a member of the Messed Up Club Plus. I gave up my membership 30 plus years ago. Because I found something better. Yeah, I found something better. God will bring you out. Won't he bring you out? You have to know that there are certain things that you are just sure about. You sure about it? Just, just like I, I got to the point to where I, I was sure I was gonna change my life. Happy getting high, but then I got to the point I got to get off this dope. Hadn't you ever said to yourself, uh, "I'm tired of lying." I got to do better. God, I'm tired of all this drinking. I got to do better. Man, I get mad every time that girl gets saying, I, Lord, I'm so tired of letting her control me. I mean, a certain thing you just get tired. It's just like, it's this guy, I'm 60, it's this guy, he, he's 67, I think, and I remember coming up, uh, me and him, we would get high together, we would, we would uh, snort coke together, drink liquor all night, you know, just messing up your inside. And I seen him, and I said, man, you ain't tired yet. Like, bro, you still doing that dumb stuff me and you did from, from the age of about 13. You still, you ain't tired yet. Walk, I'm tired, but. But what? Because he, he left it there. He said, walk, I'm tired. But I said, but what? You don't know how far I am out here. I can't come in. Like, yeah, you can come in. I say, because it, it ain't much more left in you. You need to hurry up and come in. I said, you 60-something, you hungover. And I went to talking about hungover from, from a drink. I mean, hungover, walking, hungover, because... Because you know that life will pull you down. I said, man, time to come on in now. You done, he done let you stay out there. And you, you've been out there, so you need to come on in now. Didn't want to come in. Didn't want, I said, man, it can't be that much excitement, that much at, at 67 that you. <laughs> it can't be that much, brother. You need to just come on in. But his mindset was like, I'm sure I want to just keep doing this even though I know I need to. But again, there are certain things you need to be sure about. And, and one thing that we need to be sure about as Christians is our trust in God. You may not trust him the way I trust him. You may not trust him the way others trust him. But you should trust God to a certain degree. You should trust him. Yes, you should. And, and let me say this. The only way you're going to get certain benefits from God is that you're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to be sure that he can do this, that, or the other. 
And, and see, it shouldn't be hard for us to be sure that God can do certain things because even before we became Christian, God was doing stuff for us. How, how many know you wouldn't even got this far if it hadn't been for God? You wouldn't even have to be Christian to say that. You know God. And, and we used to say, something told me not to do. So it wasn't nobody but God just let you know, look, I'm here right now. Even though you're doing your dirt, I'm still right here letting you know this, that, and the other. But see, as you mature in God, there are going to be certain things that you're going to have to trust him for. That folks are telling you not to trust him for. You're still going to have to trust him. When you get turned down for this, that, and the other, you're going to have to learn not to depend on folk, but to trust God to do what he said he would do. When it don't work out the way you desired it to work out or the way you thought it was going to work out, you got to trust God to work it out for you. And when you do that, that's, that's trust. That's letting him know, I'm sure you can do this right here. And again, everybody ought to have at least two or three things on the list the way you sure that God can do this. Watch this right here. How many by a show of hand, you got at least two things on the list you know God can do? Because you done experienced it at least 10 times, maybe 20 times. So you got to understand something. If, if God did a little thing for you, he can do a big thing for you. He changes not, and he's sovereign. He has complete power, complete authority. And what that says about God is that God can do what man says can't be done. That's the reason Jesus was very plain with a person that, that was unsure about God because of the man's belief about people. Jesus said to this man one time who, who was having a hard time believing that certain things can happen uh, because he had the mentality if a human can't do it, it can't be done. So Jesus broke down to him. He said, look, with men, this right here is impossible. He said, but not with God. And then he dropped this. He said, with God, all things are possible. But you got to believe. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. You got to trust that he can bring you out of a hole that can't nobody get you out of. You got to trust that he can change your life the way nobody can change your life. You got to trust that he can raise you up the way nobody can raise you up. You got to trust him that he can do for you what you can't even do for yourself. That's how much you have to trust him. And, and, and he drops this. He says, look at Psalm 32 and 10 as I read that, that last clause. But he who trusts in the Lord, mercy, shall surround him. To surround means, number one, to encircle. Number two, to be a border of protection. That means God will make sure that it's a hedge, a border of protection all around you. Even, even the devil can't get through your hedge. God had Job so protected to, to say and say, you know I can't get to Job because you got that hedge. You don't circle him. You protecting him. He knew God had to remove the hedge in order for him to even touch Job. God has that, ha that same circle for his children. But understand this. To surround also means to revolve. The best way to point out what revolve means, in a sense, the way you, you can really understand it, is like a series. 
It's just, it's just like if you're watching a series, you got episode one where things happen, then you got episode two, something happened, then you got episode three, something happened. Something is always happening. And that's what he's saying. When you are surrounded by God's mercy, you got mercy happening on a Monday. Then you come here, come Tuesday, you got mercy again. Then he'll come Wednesday, you got mercy. Then he'll come Saturday, you got mercy again. You're just surrounded by mercy. Everywhere you step, God showing his mercy. Everything you do, God showing his mercy. But, but it's based upon you trusting him. That's the reason you never can allow something or somebody to become bigger than God. Because if something or somebody becomes bigger than God, you will start trusting that thing or that person more than you trust God. Love your preacher, but never allow your preacher to become bigger than God. Love your granny, love your doctor, love other folk, but never allow anybody or anything to become bigger than your God. Because if they become bigger than your God, you're going to think they can do what your God can do or do more than what your God can do. You can never allow that to happen. Look at somebody and say, never, never, never let that happen. Never. You never let that happen. Never. You got to keep trusting. When somebody tell you, look, it, it looked like it ain't, it ain't no hope for you. But that ain't what God been telling me. Don't let what that person say become bigger than God. Because if they do, you're going to lose your trust in him. Just like folk try to rule your life because of what's going on with COVID. Don't let nobody rule your life because of what's going on. You trust God. Hold on now. I got to get some scripture. The Bible says the steps of a righteous person. What? Are ordered. By God. I hear what you're saying. But I ain't going to do it unless I'm led by God. Oh, you special. Yeah, I'm a son of God. And as many as are led by the spirit of God. These are the sons or daughters of God. You got to be led by God because folk will try to make you think that their words are bigger than God's words. Nobody's words are bigger than God's words. That's the reason Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass. But not what I said. Not what I said. Walk, I'm going to raise you up. I know you down right now, but I'm going to raise you up. You trust my word. Because folk going to tell you, you ain't going to get up. Folk going to tell you, you're going to always be poor, P.O. But you ain't going to always be P.O. Poe. I'm going to raise you up. And as some of us in here right now, if it was left up to your doctor, you would have died three years ago. But God told you, you can't die because I got too much for you to do and you're still You can never allow something or somebody to get bigger than your God. Because if you do, that's who you're relying on. You're too smart for your own good. And Proverbs 20, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 warns us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Your own understanding. Don't ever get to the point to where to lean to your own understanding means you start favoring or preferring what yourself or somebody else is saying. You have to be to the point where I hear what you're saying, doc. I hear what you're saying, lawyer. I hear what you're saying, preacher. But the Bible says such. Never allow anything or anybody to get bigger.
thing, your God. And I probably have said this ten times. That means you need to really get this in your being. <laughs> so that mercy can be like a series. It's, it's happening all the time. You, it just happening. Well, what is mercy? Let me start by giving you the chief antithesis of mercy or the opposite of mercy. Being unkind. Not experiencing battle. Not receiving God's faith. If you're not receiving better, God has not given you his mercy. If favor is not upon your life, you're not experiencing the mercy of God. What is the mercy of God? It's when God does for you. What nobody else can do. That's a biblical definition. That's a definition that's implied as well as revealed in testimony after testimony in the Bible. What caused David to be able to kill a Goliath was nothing but God's mercy. Cause I ain't gonna let that big old man kill you. I'm, I'm gonna show him up by letting you slang that stone to kill him. That was nothing but God's goodness, God's mercy. David so understood that it was it was the mercy of God to where in, in Psalm 23 he closed out. He said, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me." All the days of my life. And if you look at David's life throughout his life, you see nothing but the favor of God upon him unless he turned around and got in the flesh. The only time you, you, see, you see that mercy not there is when he got in the flesh, but then when David recognized that he was in the place he needed to be, he would hurry up and repent. Because he knew the significance and necessity of having God's mercy in his life. I tell folk, I don't even want to cross the street without God's mercy. Something may be coming so fast, it, it may get me because I can't run like I used to run. But God's mercy will call them to put on brakes, even if, even if they're 12 inches away. And when it, when it happens, oh God, thank you for your mercy that's what his mercy is when he does for you what you or nobody else can do that's, that's his mercy at the fullest extent that's his mercy but when he kind to you it, it's just like right now some of us can look at our lives to where we, we see certain folks that, that didn't make it and we were in that same boat, but we made it. I said, we made it. What was that? His mercy. His mercy. How many understanding? God is a merciful God. But he'll only surround you with his mercy if you trust him. I don't have to trust him to have it. Yet, yeah, well, this. I guess he just wrote this for the fun of it. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. I got to the point, I, I got to the point to where uh, at one time in my life, I was getting so many bad reports to where I said, Lord, don't seem like nothing good going to happen for me. That, now, this is my humanity talk. But God, God was telling me when folks saying it ain't going to happen, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, just, just like me and you talking. It wasn't audible, but it, in my being, God was speaking, saying, it's going to happen. 
it's going to happen. Everything they say is not going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and, and in hindsight, he caused it to happen because of his mercy. Bless me with stuff when I didn't have the money. Oh, that wasn't nothing but mercy. Then bless me to be able to do this, that, and the other when folks said it wouldn't happen. Wasn't nothing but his mercy. When a, when a doctor told me, look, this right here is what's going on with you, and if you don't address it, you're going to die with it, I left his office and said, Lord, I ain't going back to him nor any other doctor. I'm just going to trust you. you. Know why I'm healed and standing here right now 20 years later? Because of his mercy. Because he tried to put the final say on my life, but it wasn't going to happen. I know who the Alpha and the Omega is. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. God. You have to know that in your trial. And you have to know that God's mercy can do for you what nobody else can do. Nothing is stronger than God's mercy. I got to show you something though. This, this, this is, and I'm closing with this. Lord have mercy. You ain't got it by now. You don't want it. You don't, you don't want it if you ain't, you ain't got it right now. You don't want this. I want it. I'm preaching to myself. I'm, I'm getting happy. Well, I am, I'm happy. Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Just verse number one. My last point. Remember, if you trust God, his mercy going to surround you. Lord have mercy. And I have been experiencing that. I, 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 Lord have mercy. Folks you say stuff like, well, you got to go out of town to get a good job. No, you ain't. You got to have God to get what you need. Folk are a trip. You know folk are a trip. You ain't saying nothing because you a trip. <laughs> Woo! There it is. All right, Psalm 106 and what? Notice that. Praise the Lord. Then he goes on to say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And notice it, For he is good. Is he happy? Then he closes out by saying, For his mercy. Notice endures, get this, forever. His mercy endures forever. Now, now you know, just, just on the surface, to, to endure means that it's just going to last. But to endure also means it prevails. One definition of Prevail is to prove to be effective. That means God's mercy proves to be effective again and again and again and again. Let me just break it down a little bit more. Here come this thing that's hitting your body. Acting like it's going to take you out. But then, here come God's mercy. And it prevails over that thing. Proving to be effective again. Ooh, here come this thing hitting your mind. And, and trying to bring confusion to your mind. Oh, but look who coming. Here come mercy. Dealing with that thing that's attacking your mind and proving to be effective once again. Oh, you done suffered financial loss. You had thousands in the bank, but now you got about $2.37 in the bank. Oh, but wait, wait, wait. Here come mercy. And so mercy shows up 
You remember mercy is goodness and better too. So mercy shows up and causes somebody to seed into your life twice as much as you had in the bank. You thank the person, but you have to put your hands up and say, it wasn't nothing but God's mercy. Was nothing but his kindness that caused that person to give me dump twice as much as I had. And so his mercy proves to be effective time and time again. That's when you got folk with, with the testimony that, that trust God that have been delivered from cancer. Time and time again. Delivered from, from other sicknesses. Time and time again. That's the reason many of us in here right now, we go through challenges every week. But, but it seems like every time a challenge comes, we, we just come through that time and time again. But we know it's not our own strength. It's because God has surrounded us with his mercy. And his mercy proves to be effective over and over again. One last thing when it comes to mercy. One last definition. It means that which a person is covered with. It means that God covers his children with mercy. With mercy. He not only surrounds you with it, but when it's surrounded, it starts to cover your entire being. Breaking it down, mercy becomes a part of your makeup, becomes a part of your spirit, your soul, and your body. Therefore, when, when you start talking, when you start looking at things that happen in life, you look at it based upon the mercy of the goodness of God. When you, when you run into trouble, you say, well, God going to help me out of this. When you run into something attacking your body, God going to deliver me for this. Why? Because mercy has become so embedded in you. You just trust God to do everything that arises in your life. And again, that's the reason David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? What was he talking about? His mercy endures forever. I'm done. Let's get the Lord a hand this